Borak Dog Earthless. My name is Conrad, and this is the 206th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This time, we're taking a break from our week, our usual weekly progs to cover the 2000 AD annual 1990. As always, annuals are dated for the year after they come out. This is the 13th 2000 AD annual and the second to last one this year. We're under massive thrill sucker attack while enjoying some new stories featuring Judges Dredd and Anderson, Mandala, and the final Moonrunner's adventure. The price of the annual has gone up a bit uh, by 20 pence to £3.95, but I'm definitely more excited by the return of one of my favorite guests to the show, the Mega City Book Club's own, Awood Clark. Welcome to the show. Borak, Thun, Conrad, thank you for having me back again. I hope oh, I'm not outstaying, you know, out, uh, outstaying my welcome. I've been here a few times now. Yeah, I believe this is your fourth time on the show. I'm super excited. But yeah, it's um, it's it's always a great time to have you on the show. Um, you're you know a, a valued guest, and I appreciate this and, and, and everything you do in the in in the Mega City Book Club. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Well, it's, it's this 2018 podcast has got to keep it going and keep everybody entertained during these lockdown times. Absolutely. Yes, it's very, you know, we've been trying to get a lot of content out as well. And it's very, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a trying time and a weird time. So I think, you know, whatever we can do is, is, is helpful. So how's the book club coming along generally? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I've had some interesting guests on, uh, you know, as we record, I think it's just two weeks after I'd uh, noted 2000 AD art droid, Chris Weston talking about a non 2000 AD book. The Trigon Empire, which was great fun. Uh, and I've got some, you know, guests coming up, lined up. Uh, there'll be a return a return visit to the book club from both Conrad and Fox coming up in 2020. So lots to look out for. Absolutely. Should be very exciting. Yeah, I I thought the that that Trigon Empire episode was really interesting. I have to check that out. Just the uh, the, the the Romans in space concept speaks to something deep inside my nerdy soul. I think <laughs> I might have to check out. <laughs> it feels like you were talking about you know um, when you did your go back to Prog One and you talked about the mm-hmm. focus group for kids. You know what the kids like: cowboys, dinosaurs. Right, we'll put those together. Yeah, you know it also feels like what else they like: Romans, space, great, ray guns, yeah. yeah. Very much these sort of high concept st- stories where it's just like, all right, let's we're, we're going to get get two things kids like and sort of put them together. I feel like it's always always you know an ample source of uh, science fiction action for sure. Two great tastes that taste great together. Absolutely, yes. The the rhesus of the uh, of the comics world. Um, <laughs> I feel like a lot of your recent episodes, you've also been kind of spoiling our upcoming content. You've had a had a Dead Man episode. You got a spo- Final Solution episode. There's no there's no rest in here. I know. It's, like, <laughs> I do feel slightly sort of guilty about Fox, but I, I, you know, as he said when he was on the book club, he doesn't listen to all of my episodes for reasons, and we know what those reasons are because <laughs> we are trying to avoid the spoilers. Um, so yeah. Yeah, um, but you know, I mean, I I I think it's mostly fine. But or, I mean, whatever, like it's fine. Do your show, man. I don't care. But um, it is it is just funny, just because there are there are times where I just like it. Your show appears and the new episode appears in my on my podcast feed. And I just like I shake my fist like Clark, <laughs> you've done it again. <laughs> Oops. 
<laughs> oh, you know, it's a, it's, it's how it goes. It you is, know, yeah. I think, um, and you know, we'll get to these and I'll, they'll be, I'm, I'm so excited for this, um, this coming year, I think of thrill power <laughs> just because I, I know Fox is going to get his mind blown several times. He I think is, we're all, yes. I, I feel like everybody in the, everybody's looking forward to that. And I think that's going to be really great. Everybody can't <laughs> wait. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Let's go to the annual, I guess. You said you've got a, uh, a a hard copy of this one. I have, right in front of me. Yes, very nice. And we've got a Cliff Robinson cover. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, Cliff Robinson. We've got a, a red with a red dragon, Mandala, Dread, Kara Nash, and Captain Flynn all resting in the hand of Mighty Tharg. Only three-fifths of these characters will actually be in the annual, however. So... <laughs> You gotta be careful. But yeah, just so you know, um, as we come to this episode, we've just finished Prague uh 644. So Orlock has just escaped at the end of the Judge Anderson story triad. Both uh Moonrunners and Mean Team have gone off into the sunset, though of course Moonrunners is 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 trying to kick out this episode. Um Fervent and Loeb have come back for the Isagiri variations to uh, to confuse and confound me. And we're right nearing the end of part one of The Final Solution. Oh, okay. Right. Lips so, sealed. It's a very heady time. Like if, uh, um, I've, I've said that we're sort of burning off a lot of black and white comics for um, the big uh, format change coming in 650, going to three color stories in a prog so it's sort of we're trying to get rid of you know get some of these black and white guys out the door so we can have more more uh color stuff coming up it's gonna be very exciting you know this the 650 with the horn god and zenith phase three and um some and this and sort of the the the, the sort of the road to necropolis it's gonna be an exciting time oh um, great stuff <laughs> um so the inside cover has a table of contents and it's, be, and it's being illuminated by a monk of termite as Dread, Hammerstein, Johnny Alpha, Torquemada, and even a, shine, a shadowy nemesis in the background looks on. This one's by Richard Dolan, who did the cover of the sci-fi special this year. It's very kind of painterly style. Which for is, it's very uh, interesting. Okay. That's what I, 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 that's what I looked it up in the, on the internet, at least. So I, I have no reason to disbelieve them, but yeah, that, that's what they said. Did it. There's, I don't see any uh, signatures or anything on it, so I, I was confused for a moment, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Nice image. Yeah, it's fun to I don't know. It's fun to see sort of some of these iconic characters drawn by new by new hands and and all together as well. It's a very like I think it's interesting that that's a very ABC Warrior or modern ABC Warriors um, Hammerstein with the battle damage and yes. things like that. But let's get to the meat of the annual with Thrill One Judge Dread. Here we go. Dread's on. Yeah. First off. Yeah. Definitely. Kicking us off. Script robot Alan Grant. Art robot Kev Hopgood. Learning robot Gordon Robson as kid. Kev Hopgood, of course, currently go doing uh, the uh, Night Zero and Beyond Zero in, in the Prague. So at the Museum of Heavy Metal, it's a giant red Stratocaster guitar, of course. Um, Judge Dread is greeted by a very Lemmy Kill Mr. looking uh, curator in an Aussie Bites Bat shirt. But... Dread isn't here to look at exhibits of banned musical groups. He's on the trail of some escaped Jube offenders. After some light threats, the curator has no choice but to pull the tongue of the Gene Simmons bust to open the secret door to an underground illegal headbagging session. Oh, no. Of course, that's how you do it. 
I mean, there's no no better bus to open a secret door for sure. <laughs> to a heavy metal uh, uh, underground uh, <laughs> club, yeah. Definitely. There's a bunch of lads getting down here, and 2000 AD actually predicts a fairly modern trend of the silent rave where everybody listens to uh, to music synced up on wireless headphones. In this case, of course, they're listening to "I Am the Law" by Anthrax, which I feel like we we bring up frequently on the, when you're on. <laughs> it it seems like it's happened to, twice. Always seems to come out, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the curator says he thought they were just listening to some Cliff Richard. Oh no! And gets two years for lying. <laughs> the Jews dread is dread is after spot him, and a gunfight breaks out, though no one else can hear it because of the of the heavy of the of the loud music. Dredd takes out two of the Jews, but the third runs into the DJ booth and turns the volume up from heavy, past very heavy, and all the way to overload. <laughs> and to 11, presumably. Yeah, pres- yeah, all, all the way up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one louder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dredd takes out the final Jew, but the overloading music causes the heads of all the headbangers to actually bang, i.e. explode. Oh, no. What a punchline. <laughs> yeah. Dread calls in the Pat Wagons to a Scott, not Ian Street. Of course, Scott Ian, the uh, front man of Anthrax, to pick up the bodies. Because you and be careful, because you can't tell the exploded heads from their gross heavy metal T-shirts. Ugh. Yes, <laughs> a picture of Eddie from Iron Maiden on a T-shirt there. Ugh. Absolutely, I'm sure, and I'm, I'm sure this is at least partially an inside joke because I know many 2080 artists also do heavy metal artwork in their like to, to pick up some spare some spare bucks on the side. Yeah, it's a sort of quick one, isn't it? The Judge Dread one. I mean, he just like he gets in, and as you say, uh, he doesn't quite bang heads; they just blow up. But a few heavy metal jokes along the way, including various uh, bands, get mentioned, don't they? Yeah, a lot of. Uh, like a lot of of uh, band mentions, a lot of like people wearing t shirts of of things, like the uh, the museum of heavy metals got some references and things like that. Yeah, it's a very just like we've got some heavy metal jokes. We're going to to uh, to make them, and you know this one I'm, I'm pretty sure probably started as a punchline, and then you know came yes headbangers. What can we do with headbangers? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, fine, good 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 annual content. I think this is what what we're looking for. One of the annual Jed, stories. Yeah. Dread gets in there amongst them and then it's bang 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 yes or even badam yeah. on the last page yeah and, and take advantage of uh of the annual to have a slightly bloodier story than you might have normally Absolutely, just because yes. it ends in massive head head destruction oh yeah what was it you said about uh on space Spinner 2000 before about you know they couldn't really show human on human violence in color yeah. that often but here we are the annual I- well, I mean, the the annual often has a lot more violence than you'd expect. I remember, like, there's one annual story where Mega City One's infected by mutant fleas, and <laughs> somebody just like literally just like sh- like shoots themselves in the head. Like he's like the bullet. You see the bullet trap passing through their skull and stuff. It's crazy, but um, and it's something that they couldn't do in the regular thing. I in in, in the regular progs, I think, but they have a little bit more leeway on the annual. Like, like annuals, maximum leeway for color human on human violence. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose the kids it, co- are, the ki- it costs more. No one's paying attention to it. I think. Yeah, yeah. and the kids are reading it over the Christmas holidays and anything that keeps them busy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. everyone's just looking look, looking for an out. You know. <laughs> but uh, as you say, the silent rave of the future, two thousand AD, spot in the future again. Yeah, this is one that that doesn't get get 
talked about as much, but I definitely saw this and I was like, oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen this in like a, a trend piece or something like that of um, people just in, yeah, all, all in headphones. So if you walk in, it's silent, but if you, um, if you put on the headphones, it's a whole different situation. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of, uh, of partying down, let's go to Thrill 2, Droid Lifestyle, Mac 1. <laughs> so... We're in the filler section for this annual. Uh, in previous years, we've had top 10 lists for creator droids. And in fact, we'll have those again in the Dread Annual uh, later. But this time, we're getting these uh, lifestyle things of uh, of top choices or maybe top threes for, for droids. And it's only for the editorial staff, actually, instead of for writers or, or artists. And, 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 and with uh, new droid caricatures of them as well. Because we had... In the in the sci-fi special this year, we also had a big rundown of the new nerve center and stuff, which had caricatures of everybody. But these are different ones. Oh, it's okay. Just, I don't know. We're sort of getting our money's worth here. Are we? Well, we it's a bit fillery, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Listen, sorry. Uh, I, I mean, sorry. They're getting their money's worth. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we start with uh, Mac One, aka Steve McManus, early, of course, long-term Tharg, and I believe at this point, editor for Crisis. He likes a lot of Southeast Asian foods, thinks Clint Eastwood should be president, and his favorite book is Heart of Darkness by a known uh, known ally, Joseph Conrad. Mm, There you go. Conrad's got to stick together. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) And he likes uh, uh, the movie Surf Nazis, Nazis Must Die. Yeah, well, I thought that was an interesting, um, like, that's a good, like, like rule of threes punchline pick, I think. Because his first one's what is it's like Citizen Kane or something like that. Stagecoach, some like it hot. Surf Nazis yeah. must die. Okay, <laughs> yeah, these these very like you know classic like you know like like old school black and white films, and then a film from like this year with a really with a really uh confrontational title. Yeah. You know, this is very uh very I don't know feels very rule of three to me. This sort of comedy trope. Yeah. <laughs> But speaking of us, of of us sticking together like us Conrads, we gotta go to Thrill Three: Invasion of the Thrill Snatchers Part One. Oh, this is more like it. <laughs> yeah, um, no, so 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 no um, writer credited, but the uh, but the uh, uh, art robot Massimo Bellardinelli, lettering robot Steve Potter, and we're. Got an extremely – and it's the first part of this extremely Bellardinelli heavy annual this year. Yeah. Uh, between this and the Moonrunners, we just – yeah, we have this big five-part reprint of a Thrill Suckers story that ran from Prague's 308 to 312, our episodes uh, 94 to uh, – and 96. So let's get, let's get going. Oh, man. Um <laughs> Basically, we yeah we, we've seen these thrill su- suckers before, but a new strain, the Greater Spotted Thrill Sucker, is infesting the dictators of Zrag, making them all tired and listless. They identify the problem and make an offer to the sucker's leader, the Sucks Fuhrer, go to Earth and suck the thrills there. Uh-huh. Yeah, soon the invasion is on. <laughs> but wait. As they arrive, the Thrill Suckers are confronted by Tharg's previous solution to the Thrill Sucker problems, which is a bunch of one-armed, uh, punching, punching glove wearing, uh, like a pr- uh, pro-Thrill microbes. This is from a, from a previous Thrill Sucker invasion. So now it's time for a showdown. Next time, Microbe vs. Thrill Sucker, the prize is Earth. Wow. 
And Car- I mean, Bellard and Ellie, another excuse for him to draw heads on legs. Um, <laughs> he just loves that, doesn't he? Definitely, yeah. Between these and like the the bams, the bams in, yeah. uh, in Ace Trucking. And just more, um, you know, the uh, and uh, and uh, these great alien landscapes as well. We'll see. Just between, you know, we start on Zrag, which has one landscape, and we'll go to other places as well that just give him a chance to draw these great, um, these these great um, uh, vistas. So the bottom of page three of this first part, where you've got, as you say, the planet uh, Zrag and that spaceship and the thrill suckers. That's just beautiful, isn't it? Black and white, Billard and Ellie, and that's a gorgeous page. Absolutely, yeah. Big, big, big uh, Milky Way and planets in the background. Um, a, a, a fun, like, sort of uh, slap together spaceship, and then just a huge, like, mound of uh, walkways and things. Really great. I love, uh, you know, it's always, always good to see Bella and Ellie, um, like, do these things. I remember we did a reaction episode where he drew, like, um, like like a uh, Finland and like the the frozen fjords like this <laughs> it was the most ridiculous it was really amazing yeah it's, it's great stuff and we did of course we did meltdown man uh, on the book of course club, and he's you know some of his black and white art on that this is very reminiscent it's lovely stuff this is this is the favorite art so far in this uh, in this annual absolutely yes it's, it's definitely excellent um but and uh, speaking of a uh, maybe less maybe more underwhelming art let's go to thrill four error rat oh words in my comic again comrade i know oh my god someday i'll be free we'll be free of these tech stories but not today <laughs> peter milligan writing some Oh, so sorry. So script robot Peter Milligan, art robot the Albert Tatlock persuasion. Um, Peter Milligan writing bad company here. He's among the top guys. I guess I'd want to write a tech story in an annual, just because he's a very writerly sort of 2000 AD author. Yeah. Um, but you know, if they must be written, I guess it must be done. Um, the this one's sort of rough art wise, just because the same images get get reused several times. Like this this one close up of Danny Franks, I think gets used twice. Yeah, and um, and even if there's a different one, there's like not a lot of variations on it. And then this one, another sort of silhouette of um Kano and Danny gets used like three times at least in the course of the story. Um, but. Pretty basic stuff, I guess. The story opens with some reflections on the word Ararat, the planet where Bad Company took place and where Noah landed his ark in the Bible story. Um, it's tightly packed in three columns here and just a lot of stuff going on. But basically, um, we're, we're back in like the full original Bad Company. They're, they're on the prowl. Danny Franks has a weird dream. Max get, Mac gets kidnapped by the cruel. And while fighting to, uh, to, to save him or maybe kill him if necessary, um, Danny sees Thrax get killed by an explosion, but that he's still alive. Not much is cleared up after this. It's just sort of chalked up to air at being a weird place. Yeah, it is. But actually, this one, I like this one. This one's not bad as a tech story. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it does have some good mind-bending stuff and a lot of, like, Danny questioning reality and things, which is what you want, especially uh, from a bad company story, I think. Um, and it sort of is interesting being a little bit more inside Danny's head in this one than even just from the journal entries and stuff we get in regular bad company. Yeah. And it, I mean, you know, it does a it does a reset at the end of the story, so it doesn't effectively change much. But I think right. last time you had me on for an annual, 
I got quite, you know, um, disappointed by Neil Gaiman's Judge Anderson story, one of his first published pieces. But this... Oh, absolutely, yeah, the giant spider yeah. story. But this I thought was much better. Yeah, Peter Milligan, as you say, probably much better as a writerly writer at being able to do a text piece for an annual like this. So it was all right. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say... Um, <laughs> Um, him and like John Smith, I think, are are the two are the two right uh, scriptroids on the payroll currently, like in nineteen eighty nine, two thousand AD, that I'd want to write a write a tech story in an annual because they feel like they'd take the advantage to write something real weird. And Peter Milligan definitely takes that up here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just like here's some weird stuff that's happening. Yeah, for sure. good stuff, Mister Milligan. I like it. Absolutely. And um, let's go on to uh, just talking about some more um, um, top-notch creator droids with 305 covers of 1989. And who said that? (laughs) (laughs) So, again, just more filler, but this one's kind of fun. Um, Just uh, another section where creator droids pick the top covers of 1988 um, I've said this before about the, these sort of sections, but it's always a bummer because they're always in black and white, so you miss something from the original covers. Yeah, and um, fairly small images as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not the. It's it's more of sort of a find these on find these um, yourself and see their full glory as opposed to an actual showcase on its own here in the annual section. Yeah. Um, of course, Bisley uh, features heavily. Got got a lot of his ABC Warriors covers in here. Um, it's it's interesting because uh or or I think it's interesting that the the tribal memories cover from Prague five eighty eight is is here twice and only four pages as well. Yeah, it gets picked by two um, droids. Yeah, both uh, Milligan and uh, Jim McCarthy, and then just a lot, and then definitely like these are yeah a lot of the of the really great covers from eighty eight, um like the uh, the the Zenith Black Sun cover that I like a lot, or uh, John Higgins or. Uh, John Higgins' slain cover, um, the 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 um, purity. Uh, Would you be my Valentine? Cover is a great one as well. Just a lot of great stuff in here. Yeah, and again, predicting the future because once we got a forum, this is what the forum would do every year: covers of the year. Ah, and get, and get absolutely. And sometimes get the droids to pick as well. Mister Mister Pete Wells himself. Excellent. Yes, I've I love the, it's like some of the reasoning for these picks. I think my favorite one's definitely for Prog Six Hundred, where Steve, where uh, Gordon Robson says, uh, I, "I didn't have to strain my eyes to see what the number was because it's, it's just a giant six hundred on it." You know, that must be a letter in droid speaking. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what did the letter yeah. say? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, digging himself up here. Uh, I see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so that takes us to uh, to who said that, which. Is a quiz based on a on a what character on, on what characters said what um and it's bookended by co- by this uh a collage of uh, 2000 AD characters. It's interesting. It's just, it's it's clearly just based on existing art, but it's a lot of fun. Just like you know, you got like Dread and a Stone Guy and Ucko and Luke Kirby and biochips flying around, Tharg in the corner, um. And then on on the other side, you've got like um, you know a Zenith with Danny Franks inside a Z, and like some hottie guys, even like a, a Steve Dillon Rogue Trooper villain. Just like a lot of like just characters combined to make a, a cool black and white. Um, the two like black a, and white pages scape. are lovely, and then the yeah. two quiz pages that come in between them. Oh, really? <laughs> just a a lot of uh, yeah. It's all it, it, it it's all just quotes, and you've got like. 
um, attribute them. And I guess there's bonus points if you can uh, say what prog there was. Did you give this a shot? Uh, Eamon? No, the, uh, the, the no, I didn't. I, I'm sorry, Conrad. I don't do the filler stuff. But tell me, what did you get? What score no, that's did you fine. get? I tried my best, but I missed a bunch. I got I I, I ended up with a 56. Oh, that's 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 <laughs> or high 55. Up there. Yeah, 18 out of 30. So I was in sort of the middle, um, in the middle range, above average. But what do you expect? But they call me a casual reader, which I'm deeply insulted deeply, by. Deeply, deeply insulted, yes. <laughs> you know, I missed um, – I, I got confused because I think there were a couple like uh, Torquemada quotes I attributed to Nemesis and vice versa. Right. Um, and then I missed uh, malodorous sweat glands from the uh, – <laughs> From the uh, the Night at the Opera Dread story. Oh, right. Yes, of course. Question 25. <laughs> yes. Getting in here. Um, and then I should mention also that the answer key is a little weird because it's missing the answer for number 16. They, they sort of of a, of a, of a, of a, a skip that one, I guess. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> You aren't you aren't supposed to know that the greatest robot ever built that the ABC Warriors meet um in the, like at the Blackstone bypass hates accountants I guess <laughs> <laughs> I knew that uh, one <laughs> Come on guys you had one job just get the answers like, in <laughs> Yeah like you're putting it together you know <laughs> But what do you what, that's what you get I suppose and speaking of a of a more classic thrills let's go to thrill 6 Invasion of the Thrill Snatchers Part 2. And the annual picks up again. It's fun. You know, this is a, like, because they they reprinted this five-part story, they've really just seeded it through this annual. So it definitely keeps your keeps you going and just sort of, um, like, this constant saga of a thrill, of a suck versus thrill going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, one-armed micro versus thrill suckers. The suckers are the superior foe, sucking up microbes in a very weird way that must have caused some kid to end up with a, with, with, with some odd ideas about things later on. Yes. Um, <laughs> the microbes retreat and the thrill suckers are victorious. They question a cat, a captured microbe, and learn of Tharg and plan to make him their next target. Soon, they've infiltrated the nerve center. They build a thrill Derek on the back of Tharg's hand and hit blood. <laughs> but then um, Tharg goes to smush them. Oh no! Who sucks wins? <laughs> Coming up next. And I, well, I, yeah, and I must say. Um, like all this, like like the little character parts of these um su- of these thrill suckers that they've got a a sucks fear with an iron cross and them sort of like like goose stepping, um and saying suck Heil and stuff. I don't know if I'm super into that. That I don't I don't think this is a great part of that no, story. That's slightly dodgy, isn't it? Yes, but the microbes. Uh, for some reason, the leader of the microbes wears a fez, but of course he does. Um, yeah, and they Absolutely. have this, they have this one boxing glove. Does great. And again, definitely p- purpose built for knocking out thrill suckers. They don't have, they don't have any extraneous parts. Yeah. You know, only two toes, things like that, you know. <laughs> but the black and white stuff that, you know, again, the artwork is just uh, extraordinary. Give Bellardinelli some weird characters and creatures to, uh, to, to draw, and he's just away. Yeah, he's drawn these huge, like, this one has these huge crowd scenes and battle scenes of just um, these these strange creatures like getting it like fighting each other and stuff. That's, yeah, that, that's a real a real testament to his ability to get things done. You know, oh, it's lovely stuff. <laughs> yeah, and on the topic of classic thrill power, 
Let's go to Thrill 7 Time Twisters. Uh, more reprints. Yeah, well, you have to have an Alan Moore story in these annuals, I think, is their current stance. We've uh, had reprints okay. of him, whether it's a new one in the early days or reprints of him in more recent years. But, um, yeah, like you said, this is a reprint of um, one from, I think, 308, I believe. It's right before – like, it's the one right before – this one's the the one right before Chrono Cops, which is sort of an interesting oh, like, okay, like number. Right. So real height of Alan Moore's thrill of uh, Alan Moore's future shock time here. Yeah. Um, it's it, so a script about Alan Moore, art about John Higgins, letting about Peter Knight. It's Earth sixty five nineteen A D. It's boring because everybody's dead um, until some aliens show up. They're of course typical boorish tourist. Alan Moore aliens, and they're here to build a zoo based on all the cool people from Earth's history. They get it all set up pretty quick, and as a LARF, just decide to resurrect a pair of Albert Einsteins and toss them in a room together to see what happens. Um, what happens is that they quickly realize what's going on. The blue skin the aliens created them with was a tip-off, of course. And so, with their genius, they go to work perfecting a way to escape. They too quickly do so, and uh, liberate the enclosed, um, and 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 uh, and also and then liberate an enclosure full of history's greatest monsters, including Hitler, which is not a good look for Einstein's. No. Uh, <laughs> and soon they're reconstructing weapons. They're blowing each other up. The aliens escape Earth, and it quickly goes back to its usual cycle of murder and terribleness. But now everybody's blue. Yeah, and you know, hey, at least it's not dull. That was what it says. Yeah, the final, the punchline. At least it wasn't dull. Uh, <laughs> the best bit, Conrad, is the two Einsteins sitting, contemplating each other and figuring it out. Um, I mean, you've got that wonderful page where you've got to actually show them that they're not talking to each other; they're just sitting there figuring it out. But the aliens are sort of watching them on the cameras. That's a great page. Great bit. Absolutely. Of stuff. Yeah, they're very they're and it's and it's very good clone stuff as well because they sort of always do the same thing and finish each other's sentences and stuff. So yeah. it's just kind of let, lets them like sort of come to things even faster, you know. Yeah. Great stuff. Um but of course the twist, yeah, mankind's the worst. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly the worst if you get all the if you let all the worst ones out and let yes. them run wild. You know, I mean, that's sort of setting yourself up to fail. Yeah. You know, if you fill your zoo like, with Attila the Hun, uh, you, uh, you know, Hitler, uh, <laughs> hordes of barbarians. Was it is gangsters yeah. as well? Various, various yeah. Romans. Like, yeah, um, yeah, all, 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 all that kind of stuff. It's it's gonna be no good. You know, you make like a. Uh, Make a, a zoo full of like artists and stuff. It could be a whole a whole different situation. Yeah. Who's to say? <laughs> oh, differences, differences. Speaking, yeah. And uh, as we talk about a uh, wrangling artists and creative types, <laughs> let's do thrill eight droid lifestyle. Bert. Yeah. <laughs> Just quick check in here at the Richard Burton droid, of course, who's the current editor of two thousand AD. Um, as someone who says um a lot, I do have a, a certain kinship for Bert, um, I guess. But he keeps it very close to droid kayfabe in here. All of his favorite foods are motor oils. His movies, his favorite movies are all sci-fi movies that are about uh, disobedient robots, things like that. He's also a Macintosh early adopter because his favorite like computer games are on a Mac and his favorite book is desktop publishing wow. on a Mac. <laughs> what a book. Desktop publishing on the Mac, 1989. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess it's the last one he read, so they might be like making um, the adjustments yeah, and stuff. So. But but I I feel like I I know uh, Burton is a is an is a big tech guy. He he did a computer magazine at w- w- when he initially left 2000 AD, and I remember for many years the 2000 email address was like 2000 AD at Burton Mail or something like that it was like on his personal right. server, which is always a, a fun little side note, I guess. Um, oh man, how am yeah, I going to go to this one? I guess. One, oh. Yeah, but there you go. Okay. <laughs> Robots, robots, robots. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, of a uh, callous man, I suppose. <laughs> Let's go to Thrill Nine Anderson Side Division. Oh wow! Yes. Uh, script robot Alan Grant, art robot Mick Austin, letter about Gordon Robson as kid. This story is called Confessions of a She Devil. And we see Judge Cassandra Anderson dream of arresting a perp that then turns into a terrifying pig man. <laughs> she arrests him. As she sort of wakes up and says, oh, dreams are weird are weird stuff. We go to the Faye Weldon block, who was a, a British feminist writer, author of um, of The Lives and Loves of a She-Devil, which is a, 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 a book that was made into a movie here in the States with uh, Roseanne Barr and, uh, and Meryl Streep. And we see a housewife-looking lady performing some kind of ritual. She hits the theta level, merges with the anima mundi, etc. She pledges her soul to some kind of goddess and suddenly incarnates into a scantily clad female warrior with chainmail bikini and a gun on one hip and a giant axe on the other. But of course she does. I mean, this is this is the most comic book, like like superhero comic book thing I've seen, like almost for, bar for none. Some time, yeah. yeah, certainly, C- certainly, sometime. This is very like. I feel like this is th- there are literally um, like like Marvel superheroes that have this origin story, yeah, <laughs> and, and and outfits, you know, uh, certainly the outfits, yeah, yeah. So uh, meanwhile, Anderson is getting suited up and heads out on her lawmaster. She's got a hunch. Um, and there's a very, I, I think you can think a funny moment as uh, we see her sort of regular boots on her lawmaster, and then we see the the uh, the warrior woman like vaulting through the city on her high heeled thigh high boots. Of course, yes. <laughs> very yeah. d- difference in the in these characters, I suppose. Yeah, she's jumping through the city, very superhero like as Anderson goes on her lawmaster. Um, she's sir, sure her dream must mean something, and then she realizes where to go as the uh, as the warrior woman arrives at the MCP club with a big logo of a pig and the sign that says "Positively, no women allowed." Ugh. <laughs> These terrible. Pigs, yeah, the bouncer tries to get her to move on, but she attacks him with her axe. Inside the club, a bunch of of uh, men are drinking and playing darts and just being very rude towards women generally like uh, a meal's not a meal without synthetic meat and i tips it in the trash things like that <laughs> um she the 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 warrior woman walks in her her blood or her axe already stained with blood and as she and, and, and as everyone freaks out anderson arrives on the seat and finds the woman killing men left and right Absolutely. Anderson has no choice, so instead she uh she shoots the woman in the back and um calls the meds to the male chauvinist pig club as she's called a traitor by the supernatural uh I don't know, symbol of femininity or something like that. 
She changes back into her original form, and she turns out to be the wife of one of the guys at the club. Oh, man. Oh, no. Sandra, my wife. <laughs> Just hang out at this He-Man Woman Haters Club, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no comeuppance for him. Very weird story. <laughs> Very weird story. Yes, I am woman, hear me roar, and then gets gunned down by uh, Anderson, who's acting on a hunch. Uh Terrible sleepers, side judges must be, I think. All these dreams. Um, you, Yeah, there must be... I mean, th- like, yeah, there's so many... T- I mean, honestly, so many times Anderson herself gets visited by things in her dreams Yeah, I know, and stuff all the like time. That. And then the sort of, as you say, the warrior woman by Mick Austin, uh, who is just like the height of comic book uh, sort of nonsense in a costume, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a weird strip, this one, isn't it? Um, Definitely. Definitely. It- it it reminds me a bit of one from a I think either a sci-fi special or, or a dread special maybe last year where there were a bunch of like women summoning um like Kali or something a bunch of like female spirits that like then menaced Mega City One for a moment as well like there's definitely all these angry female spirits sort of just beneath the surface of Mega City One yeah. ready to be picked up I guess well quite right but they going about it in a strange way and then being dealt with rather summarily by uh, Anderson yeah absolutely yeah it's it's always funny that Anderson because she's such a skilled side judge can always take these spirits out as soon as she comes to them yeah whether it's shooting them or punching them in the face in like the astral realm or something like that as we've seen in her other adventures. Still, nice artwork, nice colors, but it's a weird strip. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, fun color. Yeah, you know, it's the art's fun, but it's it's it, it's odd. It's pointed in odd directions. Yeah, this, this story, right. absolutely. <laughs> and uh, let's continue on with some with some uh, uh, strange color action and strange relations between the sexes, I guess. With uh, Thrill Ten Moon Runners. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Massimo Bello, Janelli letting robot Gordon Robson as kid. Oh man, yeah, like you said. Oh no. boy. Okay, Moonrunners, here we go. Yeah. We've we we've just finished Moonrunners in the Prague, and I guess like Ace Trucking this year, we're wrapping up another Bello Janelli strip in an annual. Um in Deep Space. The um, the spirit of St. Louis is hauling a big cargo where they pick up a faint distress call. Captain Flynn tells the helmsman uh, Gotha, who we saw rec- uh, recruited last episode, to go check it out. But before they can do anything, the wrecked um, – sorry. They arrive to find the wrecked ship in a bad way, but they, uh, Gotha thinks there's something hinky about it. Before they can do anything, the, sh- the guns on the ship come online – it's the privateer Leviathan, captained by a lady with a sweet scar. Yes. On screen. It's all thing. Um, it seems she knows Flynn and offers a hostage exchange. She makes a big point of sending male hostages because you can't because a previous in the in the previous Moonrunners we learned that, that, that women aren't allowed on Moonrunner ships. More strange um, relationships between the sexes, but yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Flynn and Kempo go aboard and are taken to the captain. She demands Flynn surrender, but I guess Moonrunners always fight to the death or something. Um, weird moment. She's like lounging in like a in, in in like a low couch with an apple. Like, oh yes, like we're full of full of uh, allegorical stuff here yeah. in this pirate negotiation. Um, she strikes. She backhands Flynn and uh, and orders him put on the in the airlock. Uh, we see 
a cool moment where like she yeah where um she makes flynn kneel and kempo goes to attack with his wrist harpoon and flynn stops her and stuff fun stuff here um in the airlock, Kempo sends a, me- a telepathic men- message to Goethe as Flynn grabs bandages from a first aid cabinet. Goethe receives it and tells the crew to um, release the cargo pod they're dragging. Flynn and Kempo are flushed out the airlock, but immediately picked up by the St. Louis um, and then make the jump to hyperspace. We see that they've wrapped themselves in bandages to try to uh, un- to tr- try to avoid the um, the effects of like the vacuum when they're flushed out. Does that work? And I, I don't <laughs> think that's how it works. I, I do think it's funny though, just because Kempo um, gets his head wrapped up. And so you see it's, it, it's like when a, when a cat gets wet and sort of all of its fluffiness gets like pushed down. So you see kind of how small his head actually is, as opposed to how wide it is yeah. with his usual hairstyle. But yeah, apparently they were just out there for a second or t- for for two seconds, so they're lucky their eardrums didn't pop. I guess, mm. but this feels like it needs a uh, a Mach One style kids don't try this at home <laughs> kind of note on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, all's well that ends well because in the end, all they lost was their cargo, and it was a bunch of smelly old pickled Grubers, the worst cargo in the galaxy. Yeah, well, nobody nobody bothered about losing that to a. Uh, an interesting space lady pirate. I guess you know we won't see the the uh, the follow up because this is the last uh, Moonrunner story ever. And sadly to me, the uh, the the final Bellardinelli work in oh, annuals no. as well. Um, oh dear, it's a shame because it's like, uh, it compared with the Thrill Suckers strip, it's not great Bellardinelli, is it? It's it's um, no. I mean, I know everybody says this, but it's his stiff figures just standing around, and there's not enough uh, weird aliens and alien landscapes for him to draw. Um, and the coloring, no, yeah, it's all. I was going to say the coloring, oh, and the coloring is a bit weird as well. It's a bit flat and and sort of. Um, I don't know. It doesn't add a lot to his artwork, does it? No, I mean, and it's tough because we. I I know he can do some crazy stuff with Moonrunners, just because in the in the run up to the story returning, we had a bunch of these back covers that had these really awesome painted like like landscapes of, of Moonrunners characters doing some doing stuff. But this is so so flat and just yeah, like like you said, it's all it's all humans and humanoids like just sort of standing around doing things and stuff, and it's not a real. It's 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 not a real example of um of Bellardinelli's abilities, especially even in comparison to like the final Ace Trucking last annual, which had these great like cityscapes and like Ace and Feek and GBH being all crazy yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, that was more like it, but this yeah, is a bit sort of uh, blah, bit flat. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. We're generally on 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 the tail end of Bellardinelli now, which is a bummer, just because he's been with us from yeah. the from the first Prague, so. It's sad to sort of see him sort of limping to the end oh, here. Yeah. Um, and speaking of limping forward, let's we we're hitting a deep th- a deep filler vein with Thrill Eleven, Droid Lifestyle Mac Two, Great Heroes of the Twenty Second Century, and Droid Lifestyle Robo Cook. <laughs> So, more editor profiles here. This time from current 2080 sub editor Alan McKenzie or Mac Two. He's got. They, it's interesting because everybody else's food favorite foods have been like a, a genre of food, and his is like rice noodles Singapore style, like very specific recipes for food. Um, of course, we know he loves dance music, making dance music tapes, etc. 
Um, you know, his one of his top uh, off time pastimes is shaking is shaking my yeah. booty, literally. Yeah. Just general, whatever I don't know. Exciting off-time activities for these yes, um, editor droids. Eating Oriental and trying to negotiate a ceasefire in the Battle of the Sexes. Okay. Yeah. Oh my, yeah. <laughs> um, but that takes us next to um, we've got this article: Great Heroes of the Twenty Second Century. It's an article that's from the year twenty three ninety. Amen. So almost two hundred and eighty years from the current right. Mega City One year. And it's a rundown of the life and times of Judge Police Chief Joe Dredd, man of action, defender of democracy, and upholder of justice. <laughs> I guess by then they called him Judge Police Chief. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it I think it's kind of this one's kind of an, an interesting read because it's very much a, a history of Mega City One that's really whitewashed and misremembering everything in history. Um, there's a lot of talk of like Mega City One's mayors, and they even like talk about the ones from the earliest days of the Prague. Like one randomly mentioned when Dread goes to the Cursed Earth for the first time in like Prague Five, Judge Amalfi, who was a character in like a Dread story in like a Dan Dare annual, I think, like not even a 2000 yeah. AD annual. Um, and then very much of it is like of Dread being like the police chief of Mega City One, and then many of the of the other chief judges being Mega City One mayors. So like he remembers Magruder and Silver as, as Mega City One mayors. Dave the orangutan has seemed to morph into a human with a silly name, um, and a lot of like Dread restoring democracy at various times in the course of Mega City One. It's an One. odd rewrite of the history of Dread, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And like things get going entirely backwards, like the uh, the democracy now forces becoming anti democracy, for instance, um, or like uh, you know uh, we uh, Marlon Chopper or uh, Dread releasing a, a someone named Marlon Chopper to compete in the big super surf race and stuff, um, and the rest is history, I guess. But it, it, I think it is kind of interesting, just in a um, like. You know, 250 years can be a long time and sort of characters can sort of fade into oblivion or or have, you know, certain actions attributed to them that they never did and yeah, stuff. We don't know who wrote this one, do we? No, it's just sort of a feature in a magazine of some kind in 2390, but there's no – it's it's from history today, but there's no author attributed and no – um. Like no. real author attributed, or um, e even a, like like a fake byline. And what I for thought it article. was going to be was like a primer for somebody jumping on with dread. You could hand them this and say, "Well, this is you know, this is what you've missed. Jump in." But you could say, "Well, no, this isn't what happened. This is no, it's, this, it's yes. the exact opposite. It's like it's, it's like an in joke if you exactly, know what yeah. did happen. You Don't know? read this. <laughs> Good. No, I but uh, although that kind of primer is actually in the uh, in the dread mega uh, special okay. this year. So there is something. So I think these two do seem kind of paired, right. actually, if you want to, if you wanted to, just to see a, an alternate version. I love that there's two images from the Glenn Fabry story where these uh, gods force oh, right. dread to be nice because they're the – yeah, because they're the main yeah. ones where he's smiling and they just sort of did those ones, <laughs> did that over and over again <laughs> to just be like, uh, yeah, we found, we found some file footage where he looks nice, I guess. Although it's this, it's this terrifying Richter smile. If you know anything yeah. about Judge Dredd, you know. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Dredd's his life is history. But we know he is a great hero and a true Democrat. 
<laughs> Buzzer wrong. <laughs> oh man, it's I, I don't know. As like like um, I I majored in history in college. This does kind of feel funny to me when you, it, like it feels like if you when you see a historical movie sometimes and a character is like oh like this is not how it goes. <laughs> But that takes Very us weird. to yeah, absolutely. This takes us to our uh, our next uh, droid lifestyle section for uh, Robo Cook, who is um, the uh, the art, uh, art director Robin Cook um, of 2000 AD. He loves pie and mash, I guess. Um, that's his big answer. It's his favorite food, his favorite shop is Kelly's, which is a pie and mash shop. Good times. <laughs> Check in my Scion Organizer favorite computer game. A Scion Organizer. Wow. What's that? I don't, I don't know what that is. No, I that, that was, was like a, that was a handheld computer calendar diary sort of, uh, like a computerized Firefax, um, you know, something oh that became, came rapidly out of date. The first one looks like, the first one comes in a sort of sliding case and it looked like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we thought they were so cool, but uh, and then somebody showed us an iPhone. Oh, okay, right, <laughs> one of these early PDA uh, PDA devices, I guess. But exactly, yeah. yeah. Honestly, this is one of these situations. This is one of these situations of this stuff where the name's just silly enough that I think it might be a, that I, I, I assume it's, it's just an in joke, and I didn't even try to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a real thing. I had one. These these dark times, you know, yeah. we had to make do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Best thing about of, this. Yeah. It's oh, the God. opposite image of Cliff Robinson's dread on the opposite page. Oh, I'm um, sure he's just shooting right into the droid five lifestyle yeah, question. With a great there. Clint Eastwood sort of, sort of snarly mouth as well. That's that's the best. Excellent. Bit. Oh, I'm sure. Always great when Cliff Robinson shows up to do some dread. But speaking of getting us through hard times, let's go to Thrill 12, Invasion of the Thrill Snatchers Part 3. Spot the Thrill Sucker and Invasion of the Thrill Snatchers Part 4. Yes. I feel like these all go all mixed together, I think. Um, So many of of the Thrill Suckers die in the SWAT attack, but enough survive to continue the assault on Tharg's brain. Suck Heil. It's a mad dash through Tharg's circulatory system and... Bellarinelli just gets real crazy with these like uh, biological, um, uh, uh, like landscapes as we move through Tharg's body. Eventually, you got to put down your dazzle visors because we're in the heart of Tharg's badass brain. Oh, they're fantastic voyaging their way through Tharg. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I got one. Absolutely, yeah. Listen, high five. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't like. I can't believe I missed it. Because yes, absolutely. <laughs> got Raquel Welch in there and everything. But okay, absolutely. Oh. Yes. <laughs> so in between thrill sucker sections, we've got um, the thrill suckers have infested the ugly, the ugly bug ball. Oh no. There's 10 scattered throughout the image, and this is from the uh, center spread Cliff Robinson did for Prog 447. Good uglies. Good uglies. Yeah. Absolutely. Although, you know, I still, part of me feels like this is him uh, uh, moving in yes, on Ron true, Smith's yeah. bit, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I think because Cliff Robinson, because of his style, I think his his uglies, like, really do, you know, they, they, they are quite disturbing, which is definitely yeah. what you're looking for. Because I think when you start with the basis of realism, and Ron Smith is like this too, I think that when you then draw someone ugly, you can make them uglier just because you start you start from a from a prettier place, maybe. 
<laughs> so back to the thrill suck to the to the the thrill snatchers. The thrill suckers manage to suck Tharg's brain, and he passes out. Thug's down. Chin right on the desk. Yeah, it's terrible. Oh no. With the source of thrill power gone, the thrill suckers spread out, getting the entire 2080 offices and then the whole world. Everyone, except for Bert, who is such a thrill dead zone anyway that they just leave him alone. <laughs> He's got to save the day, so he boils a bunch of 2080 back issues and feeds them to Tharg with a big funnel. That's what you do. Concentrated thrill power. Ah, uh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. You you boil it down to a rich <laughs> jus of thrill power. <laughs> Who knew that Bert was Master Chef? Yeah, <laughs> I watched that. I don't know. At least it's like yeah, or or rather, or, or maybe I'd watch an episode of Chopped where they open their basket and it's just a whole bunch of two thousand eight. Yeah, what can you make? Issues. What can you make from this? Oh my god! Concentrated thrill power. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and speaking of a of a thrill power concentration and the and the and the. Uh, or th- through power concentration and the creation thereof, let's go to Thrill 13, making of Night Zero, droid lifestyle Atomatomlinson, Atomata and Masterwork pinup. <laughs> okay, all right. So another filler section here. We got an interview of Night Zero creative team, John Brosnan and Kev Hopgood. Apparently, it began like N- N- Night Zero began as a movie treatment because John Proston didn't like Repo Man. Yep. He doesn't like a lot of movies. And I feel <laughs> like a, that was his that thing, action wasn't it? from yeah. him. Yeah, very much so. We've just um we we just did an ep- did the episode where he, or the prog where he does a two page coverage. He he does two page coverage of a Batman, the uh, the the Tim Burton Batman movie. And I think I think it's the one movie he's liked since oh, we've seen right. him do the do the flex the uh, the flex coverage like or he like he did one for Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade and said he liked it but then had a lot of complaints along with liking it yeah <laughs> the whole thing um, but they talk a bit about the uh, Night Zero characters what they're based on they also managed to plug Brosnan's new book the Star the Scar the Sky Lords and one of his older books James Bond in in, in the cinema um, I think. My, my my favorite part is their discussion of um of the tiger scene in Night Zero. I don't know if you remember that one, but um, yeah, I can't say I do. Basically, um, they're like uh, uh, Tanner and Alana, the two main characters, are coming up in an apartment that's got defenses, and one of the defenses is just that there's a wild tiger in the stairwell. Oh right, uh, Joe Exotic. <laughs> and exactly, listen, but. Uh, <laughs> But but then what what looks like will be a tiger fight just cuts to them co- entering into the apartment and Tanner's kind of ripped up and and like shocked looking and stuff. It's very and they they say they just didn't want to do it. So it, it's it's like both on page and in their descriptions very similar to that Indiana Jones in that uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark scene I should say where he just shoots the guy with the sword. You know? Oh yeah, like this. Yeah, just shoots him. Like very much just <laughs> like a uh, like a this could be. A crazy, like, long action scene, but we're all too tired to actually do that, so let's just sort of skip over it, basically. Yeah, okay. Wow, that was intense. <laughs> <laughs> but Night Zero's fun. Like, I don't know. I feel like it, it gets forgotten sometimes. We, I, I know Fox and I like the first Night Zero, and we're in the middle of Beyond Zero right now, which gets basically destroyed by by, by being cut up quite a bit. Um. So next, there's a, a droid profile of uh, John Tomlinson, aka Atoma Tomlinson, 
who is the uh, annual designer. I believe that's what it said in the sci-fi special. So he's the one putting all these things together. Um, he wants Hunter S. Thompson for president. Seems to be a Terry Pratchett fan. I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. Okay. Jane Seymour fan as well, I guess. But you may, you know, move on from there, I suppose. <laughs> Likes the movie Roxanne and Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, I feel like I, I could get along with John Tomlinson. He's got basically good opinions, I guess. <laughs> yeah. After that, there's an ad. There's an ad for the uh, Judge Dredd Annual 1990, which we'll be covering uh, next episode. Very excited. Oh, cool. Okay, so, good. Nice looking to cover. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff in that one. I think um, we're sort of, you know, obviously get to we get to. I believe there's a big Ian Gibson um, Daily Dread section in there. For instance, uh, oh, and and an Arthur Ranson story about Dungeons and Dragons as well, which I'm very excited about. Oh, nice! Just this this full color Ranson that we're getting in the Dread special and the Winter special this year. It's going to be great stuff. Um, and then um, I believe, and and there's a uh, Tharg the Mighty Masterwork just out of nowhere of a Kev O'Neill a, a reprint of the of Kev O'Neill's Torquemada Family Portrait from Prague 250. Okay. There it is. I, you know, apropos of nothing, well, I guess it's a, it's a good work. Nice to have a bit of Kev O'Neill in here. Absolutely, yeah. This one's from Prague Fifty. It's got a crying Candida, uh, the kids that will be killed by uh, Nemesis um, late in a, in a in a Brian Talbot piece, and then Nostradamus, who's pretending to be uh, uh, Torquemada's grandfather, but is actually his brother, having been artificially aged in the time wastes. Oh man. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so much intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of intrigue, let's go to Thrill Fourteen: Invasion of the Thrill Snatchers, Part Five. The conclusion. At last, uh, Tharg drinks the concentrated thrill power and comes awake. He instantly purges his body of all the thrill suckers. Of course, we're in the God Mode section of this <laughs> Tharg the Mighty story. <laughs> Leveled up. Um, yeah, he he. Tr- he uh, begins to save the world. Basically, he makes himself huge and irresistible target to all the thrill suckers out there and travels the globe, uh, becoming a big Katamari ball, just picking up all of the, you know, becoming covered in thrill suckers and then flying them into the sun, killing them all. Of course. Yeah, definitely. As is his want, he then re- restores thrill power around the world. We see him airdropping 2000 ADs all over the place. And, uh, you know, as you do, the day is saved by Bert because he was able to revive Tharg and put this stuff all in motion. Good times. Bert, you're a hero. At last. Um, But we know that, anyhow, because we know all these thrill suckers came from from Zrag, Tharg gets his ultimate revenge by sending them a letter with 1,000 Rigelian hotshots in it. Of course, the <laughs> final payoff. And with the dictators screaming as their butts are hit by hot shots over and over again for the rest of time. The end. The end. Yeah, it's good. It was good fun. Uh, and it finishes off with another lovely Bellardinelli black and white panel on the Zrag. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it was a good fun story to have. Yeah, Zragging landscape, very good. I like all the... um. You know, just just the multitudes getting these giant mountains of 2000 AD and stuff. These, that's a good image as well. Fun stuff here. Just fun. Bellardinelli uh, Bella doing like, yeah, just um, random things. 
<laughs> random Thar yeah. adventure is so important in these in 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 the three hundreds or so when 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 we were really trying to make Thar a character, I guess. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> but at last, and on the topic of blasts from the past, we go to our last story, Thrill Fifteen Zenith. A weird interlude. Absolutely, yes. A script about Grant Morrison, art about Jim McCarthy, letter about Gordon Robson as kid. And we're getting trippy here, I guess. It's London, December 23rd, 1967, and Peter Sinjin in full fur coat mandala mode. He's just floating down the middle of the London street. As you do. Absolutely. Um, as he does, he seems to be flashing back to an argument he had with some lady. Um about um, over the book The Coming Race, which is um, was a, 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 a sort of like mystic, mystic science fiction-y kind of book that was very influential among 20th century mystics, among them uh, uh, proto-Nazis like theosophist um, Helena Blavatsky. It created the concept of Vril and the Vril Society, which also has um, a lot of links to like um, – like, uh, like, esoteric Nazism is what it says in the Wikipedia entry. It's a weird situation. Um, it's very weird. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, but he says like, is this the future you want? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird conversation. Yeah. He was clearly going through some rough times and is regretting it now. As he walks through the street, some figures appear and suddenly things go full color and there's a brown rabbit that's still late. <clears throat> of course. Um, my, uh, Mandela's walking through the walls of reality and uh, into a terrifying Mad Hatter's tea party. Jim McCarthy really getting making things look real weird as we go here. <laughs> and um, as he goes, though, and when finally the Mad Hatter comes at him with a knife, Mandela realizes what hap- what's happening. Those men he saw um, on the street are trying to kill him. And to me, just sort of reading into it, this seems to be another an, assassin- an assassination attempt by a psychic, basically. Um at the end of Zenith Phase 2, we learned that um, some – what they called CIA shadow men used psychic attacks that caused Zenith's parents to crash their car in 1968 and like mostly killed them. So this might be another version of it, just um, forces trying to take out these superheroes um, like sort of in, in the late 60s after they split from the government and become, you know, weird hippies basically. <laughs> Oh, dear. You know. Yeah, it's a weird one. Definitely. And so we're in this, like, yeah. So Sinjin's sort of moving through this, like, psychedelic hellscape. But once he realizes what's going on, he's able to take the reins pretty uh, pretty adroitly, not impressed by these by by um, their efforts. And just kind of, like, blasts out, blasts back, back through the walls of reality, finds these guys, sort of threatens them, says, ah, oh, you're lucky I'm a pacifist. And then just blasts them with some uh, colored lights and walks away. There he goes, and we're back in black and white, yeah. and uh, yeah, back in London, back in yeah, back in London. In the present, it seems because Sinjin has his uh, his yuppie power haircut, I guess. Um, yeah, and we see him drop a colored in coin in the cup of a beggar who I think might have been one of those shadow men from the assault in the sixties. I think. I think he is, isn't he? I think he's, yeah, he's basically reeling from the still dealing yeah. with effects of the man of uh, Mandela's attack. So yeah, yeah, and then he just kind of looks into the picture, and I guess that's it. <laughs> Look straight to the camera, says, 
that's it. No wrap up, no final lines, just an inter- a weird zenith interlude. And if you want psychedelic weird colours in a uh, 2000 AD comic, you need to be somebody called McCarthy, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. One, one or the other. J- Jim or yeah. Brendan. You like, like yes. they're, they're who you have to count on for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very trippy. Very, very trippy indeed. Uh, this sort of blast back to 1967. Yeah. I mean, uh, just because of the Alice in Wonderland themes, it's hard not to imagine um, one pill makes you bigger sort of playing on playing as this, as the story goes on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're through the looking glass now, there, Conrad. Yeah, c- candles with f- faces on them. God knows what else. Oh, it's weird. Although this this story is kind of funny, just in its abrupt ending. I remember, um, I, or when I was looking in into this annual, I saw a post on the 2080 forums, and someone asked if they if they're missing some pages of their annual. Yes, <laughs> because of the abrupt end here, which is kind of in- kind of funny. And we'd be like, nah, that's just how it goes, you know, zenith, yeah, isn't it? Uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, it's exactly what I thought. I thought I must be missing a page, but no, you're quite right. That's it. It just that's it. Finished. Black and white. Yeah, I think I I I think it is a moment of uh, it is a moment of Morrison trying to trust us with the answers or something like that. But you know, sometimes I could use some prodding. Like I'm <laughs> there's there's one thing is if there's one thing I've learned especially actually from John Smith, it's that I'm I'm happy having things explained to me. I don't need to yes, yeah. I don't need to put the pieces together all that much, you know. It's Somebody fine. explain it to me at the end. Please. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And on the topic of explaining things at the end, oh man, we finished the 1990-2080 annual event. Wow, well done. Fantastic. We've made it. All right. And thus, I have one question for you, which is, what were your top and bottom thrills for this annual? Well, I have to say, Conrad, that uh, I think last time we did a Judge Dredd annual, we had the benefit of a, at least two or maybe three colored Carlos Escara dreads, I think, didn't we? I think, no, it, um, was, a, it, it was Higgins then because it was the last of the bad guys. Oh, that it story. was the bad guys. That's right. Yes. So this one I thought was slightly uh, slim on the ground in terms of the top thrills, mm. but I'm going to do a I'm going to do a Bellardinelli. I'm going to say my worst, my bottom thrill was Moonrunners. All right, just because it's so static and the coloring doesn't really help at all, and not a lot happens apart from them getting blown out of an airlock for two seconds. Mm. But my top thrill, <laughs> if I'm allowed to pick a reprint, sure. is the Invasion of the Thrill Snatchers because it's top quality. Bella Dinelli black and white artwork, wonderful little creatures. I love the little BAM microbes, wonderful Absolutely. alien landscapes. And it's just, uh, I'm guessing, it might have been written by Steve McManus, I'm guessing, possibly. I think so. Usually um, when when the, these Stark stories are by one of the editors, I believe. So, yeah, yeah McManus or, uh, or or Burton, I think, was was sub-editor at that point. So there we go. Bottom is Bella Ardinelli for Moonrunners, but top is Bella Ardinelli for Invasion of the Thrill Snatchers. Nice. Thrill which is Sandwich. a wonderful reprint. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Thrill Sandwich. <laughs> what about you, Conrad? Everybody wants to know what were your top and bottom <laughs> oh, thrills of course. from the 1990-2080 annual. <laughs> um, oh, man. Like like you said, this one is is a, is a little thin, especially in terms of new content. Um I I could see uh, Zenith being on the bottom just because it's so abrupt, and I felt like I like I had to do a lot a, a lot of the heavy lifting for my enjoyment of it, I guess. Um, but I think I'll join you with Moonrunners. Like Moonrunners, always an easy pick, and this was not a a, a great example of uh, of Bellinelli's work, which is sad because it is, is some of his, of his last stuff. Um, 
For top, I might pick the the dread story. Actually, I thought oh, okay, headbangers. Yeah, I thought it was it was it was it was just a fun, funny story. Um, I liked a lot of the uh, of the heavy metal references and things, and um, you know, it just kind of I just thought it, it was a it was a it was just a fun moment that got in and, and got out, and and I like Kev Kev Hopgood's art as well. Um, and you know, it's just just a fun light like a. Uh, like I said, a, a a good annual story, you know, good a, yes. a, a good opener for something to read on on Christmas Day, I guess. That's sort of got got blood and got like references to pop culture that you know and other things like that. Yeah, <laughs> and dread dealing with Mega City One crazies as ever. That's always my favorite thing, you know. The weirdness of Mega City One in uh, citizens, yeah, yeah, Mega City One citizens, subcultures, all that stuff. Like that's really like that's what I I love about. That's the greatest possibility of these of these dread stories. I think that that they're the most fun for me. Awesome! I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner Two Thousand on iTunes, Stitch at the Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site at spacespinner two thousand dot com. Feel free to contact us spacespinner two thousand at gmail dot com with two thousand e forums or our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner Two K. Everything else is Space Spinner Two Thousand. You'll find us there. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh my gosh! Always Thank a, you for having me again, Conrad. Yes, where can we find the Mega City Book Club? You can find all the episodes at megacitybookclub.com. Find out about it all there. But like yourself, we're also on Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, feed, uh, Facebook, and the 2080 forums. And we have episodes dropping every two weeks, including some notable guests. Including, as I say, coming up later this year, Conrad and Fox, both coming back to the book club. Absolutely. Both of us love the Mega City Book Club. It's like a fan, it's a fantastic place to talk about these thrills. You know, as I always say, I feel like, um, we, we, we provide opposite services. Uh- <laughs> Space Spinner 2000 slogging through Prague by Prague, Mega City Book Club jumping around to the highlights of thrills all through the years. Opposite but complementary 2008 podcast. Oh, absolutely. We work to, you know, uh, hand in glove, like the two of us yeah. sort of work, work together here. Often when I finish, like, I, I try not. I always try to to avoid spoiling myself and what people think about stories too often. But often, when we finish a big story, I'll treat myself to the Mega City Book Club um, episode of what we've talked about, just to kind of see what other folks are talking about it. It's always fun. Oh, cool! Thank you, Conrad. Oh, absolutely. Uh, come back next time as we gear up for the big jumping on issue by clearing the decks of as many black and white stories as possible. Judge Anderson deals with a prophet. We'll complete the Itsagiri variations and part one of the final solution. Dread deals with monkeys and Rottweilers. Beyond Zero takes flight, and the future shocks are fast and furious. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Aiden of the Mega City Book Club, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Smug Deep Earth Rig!